we we are making our way through the through the Bible. We've we've made some progress since January uh, through now, uh, and obviously we know that every week we can't uh, touch on everything that was uh, the previous week's reading, and so um, I do recall, you know, last week uh, Krista uh, did a lot from First Samuel. Uh, the week before that, um, Sylvia did uh, a lot from, uh, I think, Joshua and Judges. So even though our reading last week took us all the way through 1 Samuel, uh, and then I think there were two Psalms also, uh, I feel like the Holy Spirit has uh, kind of led me uh, backwards a little bit uh, so that he can minister tonight. Uh, to whoever's here. I, I had my own idea of where tonight would go, uh, but about a week and a half ago, I feel like the Holy Spirit was uh, leading me to what we're going to do tonight. Uh, and so uh, bear with me, we're, we're going to get there. Um, it's just that we're not going to be in First Samuel tonight, and we're not going to be in those two Psalms. Uh, we're actually going to go back a little bit to some of the other stuff we've already covered but uh, we're primarily going to be in the book of Ruth tonight. Uh, so I think the Lord really wants to minister tonight uh, through that story that is told in the book of Ruth. But here's how we're going to get there. Uh, we're, we're first going to, I'm going to share with you um, a dream the Lord gave me uh, not too long ago, just about a week ago, week and a half ago. Uh, and uh, then I'm going to read a portion of scripture from Mark chapter 14. Uh, and I'll go verses three through nine, uh, and then that'll that'll be our segue into the book of Ruth, and you'll you'll see how we get there. So, a little bit before Resurrection Sunday, so I guess it was uh, maybe Thursday or Wednesday of Holy Week. Uh, yeah, I believe it was Wednesday. Uh, I was sleeping, and I had this dream, and in the dream, I kept hearing the word lavender, lavender, and I, I didn't understand why, but lavender was uh, prominent in this dream, and I couldn't stop thinking about it, uh, and so I woke up at around 5.30, like I normally do, and I was preparing for our, uh, our ministry's corporate prayer call we do at 6 a.m. Monday through Friday, uh, and I was trying to figure out what scripture to use for our prayer that morning, and uh, I, I realized that it, on Wednesday of Holy Week was the story that comes from Mark 14. It's also in the Gospel of John and uh, also in Matthew, I think, chapter 26. Uh, but Mark chapter 14, we find this story uh, that is one of the most beautiful things uh, that that we celebrate, and we don't really realize it usually that it happens during Holy Week. Uh, but here's what it says. It says, while Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon, who had a serious skin disease, as he was reclining at the table, a woman came in with an alabaster jar of pure and expensive fragrant oil of nard. She broke the jar and poured it on his head. But some were expressing indignation to one another. Why has this fragrant oil been wasted? For this oil might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. 
and they began to scold her. Then Jesus said, leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She has done a noble thing for me. You always have the poor with you and you can do good for them whenever you want, but you do not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body in advance for burial. And I assure you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told in memory of her. Amen. And so what I found interesting is after uh, I, I used that scripture to lead our, our prayer that day, and uh, a couple of hours later, that dream that I had came back to me and I kept saying, what, why was lavender in the dream? And I just Googled it and, and started looking at what lavender uh, is, like kind of where, where does it come from? And it jumped out that lavender is also called spikenard, spikenard, which is exactly what we think Mary of Bethany was anointing Jesus with that day. And so the dream kind of stuck with me. And as I was preparing for today, uh, the Holy Spirit kind of brought all of that back to me. And I kind of feel like tonight, the Holy Spirit really wants to minister to the women in this group. So I'm, I'm not sure if if we have any any other guys on tonight, but um, I'm sure the Lord can can minister to you as well. Uh, but I, I really sense today that Holy Spirit in our time together tonight wants to minister specifically to his daughters. Uh, and so um, all of that kind of took me uh, to, to where we've been in our Torah of Truth study. And as we've been teaching and, and covering so much, um, it just seemed to me that we can't miss talking about the book of Ruth. We can't miss talking about Ruth. So uh, that's what we're going to do tonight. And I think that as we do that, uh, the Lord is really going to bless uh, those of us who are here. And uh, I'm praying that the Lord would use our time tonight uh, to reach our hearts, that we would be sensitive to Holy Spirit tonight. And Chantel, I think you got, it all, got us started well. Uh, with uh, just your tears, uh, your your emotion, your joy, uh, your love for the Lord, that that transparency of your soul. Um, prayerfully tonight, uh, we can get to that point and and have an intimate experience with Holy Spirit. My prayer has been that this would not not be just a simple okay. Some people got online and we talked a little bit about the Bible here and there. I'm really praying that Holy Spirit would minister tonight, that, that someone would be encouraged, uh, that someone would really experience his presence where you are tonight. So that is our prayer. So the book of Ruth is, um, it, it's such a beautiful book because, you know, after, after we read about the ups and downs in Judges, uh, Ruth becomes a, a very uh, refreshing story. Um, not refreshing, obviously, for Naomi uh, and, and Ruth uh, as, their, as their life kind of played out, uh, but ultimately the Lord did work it all together for their good. And so tonight, uh, let's just go back and consider the book of Ruth 
uh, as we have been on our journey together through the scriptures this year. So let's just look at some of the main uh, characters, so to speak. Obviously, uh, the main person is, is always God in the Bible. Uh, and so every person that we encounter and read about in scripture uh, really is more about uh, what it reveals about God than it does about those people. Uh, but uh, the people are still important. So um, in the book of Ruth, uh, the first person we see there uh, is this man named Elimelech. Uh, and so Elimelech has this wife named Naomi, and they have two kids. And so their two sons are with them. They're in the land of Judah. Uh, there's a famine. And so they leave and then they go uh, to the land of Moab. So Moab, I guess, would be northeast uh, of, of where they were in Judah. Moab is today uh, present-day Jordan. So uh, they, they leave, they go uh, there, and when they're there, Naomi's life really takes a turn. So Naomi, her name uh, translated literally means pleasant. Uh, but while they are in Moab, her two sons get married, but her husband dies. Uh, and so she's dealing with that grief, obviously, that, that challenge of her husband being dead. But I, I think initially, at least, she probably took some comfort in knowing that at least she had her two sons. But then as Naomi's life continues to, to move forward, uh, it takes another bad turn and she loses both of her sons. So there she is, she's a widow, and she is without any sons. We know that uh, culturally in that time uh, that uh, a woman that would be a widow and then had no sons uh, was really gonna probably have a very difficult life unless her uh, husband or her sons had a significant amount of money that, that she was able to have. But that obviously wasn't the case because they were facing poverty. If they, had, if they would have had a ton of money, they would have been able to stay in Judah even out of a famine, right? They could have probably afforded the food somehow if they had enough money. So they, they didn't have enough money, obviously, to stay. And then she gets uh, to, this, to this foreign country and loses her husband and both of her sons. And there she is uh, left with her two daughters-in-law. So uh, Naomi initially, of course, I said her name means pleasant, but later, as the story goes on, she refers to herself as Mara. She says, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, uh, because the Lord has dealt bitterly with me. Uh, she, she is using that word Mara, which is translated bitter, uh, because her life had taken such a turn that uh, she left uh, her homeland and got to this place, and now she is really, really broken really, really empty. I'm, I'm sure that she was confused. I'm sure that she shed so many tears. Uh, I, I'm sure that she felt hopeless many days and many nights. So there she is, and she's trying to figure out, okay, well, um, I guess I'm going to go back now to Judah. And she has her two daughters-in-law, and they're they're one of them says, I'm going to stay. One says, I'm going to go. So the other one um, stays there in Moab. Uh, but, but Ruth, her daughter-in-law, Naomi's daughter-in-law, Ruth decides, I'm going to be the one to stick with you. And wherever you go, Naomi, that's where I'm going to go. Naomi 
pleads with pleads with her as, as she did with the other daughter-in-law look just stay here find yourself another husband um you know there's no way i'm ever going to have children again and it's not if not as if i do that then you'll have enough time to wait for them to be grown and then uh, have have them be your husband there's nothing i can give you there's nothing i can do for you just stay here and find yourself uh, a better life uh, but ruth says no i'm staying with you and she says where you go i will go and your god will be my god and uh, so then they they make their way back and when they get there that's when we hear naomi say hey all you people that remember me as naomi when i left don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara, because my life is now bitter. So in order for us to really uh, kind of understand the way the story plays out, uh, we, we need to cover a few scriptures that have already been in our uh, teachings, or at least our reading assignments over the last uh, couple of months. Uh, there are a couple of things I want to look at really quickly uh, in Leviticus and then also in Deuteronomy. One of the great things I've liked so far this year about reading the Bible again is, you know, you get to a certain place like in the book of Ruth, and some of it won't make sense unless you've read what comes before. So uh, as, as um, difficult as it can be sometimes to, to plow your way through Leviticus, there are so many places in there where the scripture means something later on uh, and that's definitely the case here so we we let's just talk about the story before we get to leviticus naomi and ruth are there they have no money and uh, naomi says uh, okay ruth you're, you're going to go out you're going to go out into the into the fields and it was harvest time uh, so ruth was going to go out into the fields and glean some stuff from the fields that would have been left over and then use that to make sure that she and Naomi had something to eat. But what is what is this thing um, about going to a field at harvest time and just taking some of the scraps? And that's where I want to look um, at some of some of the Old Testament stuff that we've already seen. There, there was a time where, remember, God says, when you come into the land that I bless you with, you are not supposed to uh, take the outer edges of your fields. Leave the outer edges of your fields for the poor and for the stranger among you. Uh, and so because that was the case, it, was, it, it meant that it was, it was okay it wasn't as if uh, Ruth was stealing anything. It was okay for her to go into the field at harvest time uh, and take uh, what was left over because God had specifically said to people, leave the outer edges of your fields for the poor. So she was out there uh, in the field, and it turns out that those fields belonged to this man named Boaz. So Boaz, uh, his name translated means quickness. And uh, Boaz sees her. And he says, you know, who is this, who is this young woman here in the field? And they say, okay, this is Naomi's daughter-in-law, Ruth. She's come back with her. Uh, and, and Boaz uh, makes sure that everyone uh, treats her kindly. Uh, he makes sure that the men uh, realize they are not uh, to try to have any kind of relations with her or uh, to treat her 
uh, in, in any kind of uh, poor way. Uh, and she's allowed to continue gleaning things in the fields that Boaz owns. Fast forward a little bit, and uh, Naomi understands that Boaz is actually uh, a relative of her late husband. And so uh, Naomi would have been entitled to some uh, property, some inheritance that was there. Um, but Boaz is a relative, and, and the way they did things, uh, there was there was this redemption situation where you could redeem uh, certain land that belonged to a brother. And then also uh, there's this other point about uh, people, if a, if, so, if a man died and he didn't have any children, uh, then uh, his brother or a near relative would take his wife and uh, they would have a child so that they could raise up seed in that brother's name. Uh, so that was the custom and it was the law that, that God had given. So uh, the law regulating the redemption of property uh, is in Leviticus 25, 25 through 34. And then the law concerning a relative's duty to raise up seed to a deceased relative is in Deuteronomy 25, 5 through 10. So I'm just going to read a little bit of that uh, to uh, refresh your recollection uh, as to some of the stuff that we have read in some of our previous readings. So let's go to uh, Leviticus 25, and we're going to go verses 25 through 34. So bear with me tonight. We are getting somewhere, as they say. 25 through 34 of Leviticus chapter 25. If your brother becomes destitute and sells part of his property, his nearest relative may come and redeem what his brother has sold. If a man has no family redeemer, but he prospers and obtains enough to redeem his land, he may calculate the years since its sale, repay the balance to the man he sold it to, and return to his property. But if he cannot obtain enough money to repay him, what he sold will remain in the possession of its purchaser until the year of Jubilee. It is to be released at the Jubilee so that he may return to his property. If a man sells a residence in a walled city, his right of redemption will last until a year has passed after its sale. His right of redemption will last a year. If it is not redeemed by the end of a full year, then the house in the walled city is permanently transferred to its purchaser throughout his generations. It is not to be released on the Jubilee. Uh, so then there's a little bit uh, more about that. And it says, uh, concerning the Levitical cities, the Levites always have the right to redeem houses in the cities they possess. Uh, whatever property one of the Levites can redeem, a house sold in the city must be released at the Jubilee, blah, blah, blah. Okay, 34, the open pastured land around their cities may not be sold, for it is their permanent possession. That was the Levites. And so this, this law uh, of, of redemption is... Uh, something that's specified in Leviticus. We don't have time to go through all the details of that, but I just wanted to refresh your memory where, where in the, the Old Testament, we, we see that there is this right of redemption for, for property uh, that's there. Then uh, the idea that uh, someone can raise up seed of a deceased relative is in uh, Deuteronomy 25, 5 through 10. Deuteronomy 25, 5 through 10 says, 
When brothers live on the same property and one of them dies without a son, the wife of the dead man may not marry a stranger outside the family. Her brother-in-law is to take her as his wife and perform the duty of a brother-in-law for her. The first son she bears will carry on the name of the dead brother, so his name will not be blotted out from Israel. But if the man doesn't want to marry his sister-in-law, she must go to the elders at the city gate and say, my brother-in-law refuses to preserve his brother's name in Israel. He isn't willing to perform the duty of a brother-in-law for me. The elders of the city will summon him and speak with him. If he persists and says, I don't want to marry her, then his sister-in-law will go up to him inside of the elders, remove his sandal from his foot and spit in his face. Then she will declare, this is what is done to a man who will not build up his brother's house. So this teaching is really relevant in Ruth's story. Boaz is essentially the, the, the near relative who has the right to redeem the property coming to Naomi. And uh, because Ruth is Naomi's daughter-in-law, uh, also there then becomes the obligation for Boaz to marry Ruth. Uh, so the story goes on and Boaz calls the, the elders of the city to the city gate and they start having a conversation. He says, here is what uh, I intend to do. There's someone else who's a even closer relative, and he's got the first right to redeem the property and to have Ruth as his wife. But uh, for, for some reason, he couldn't actually do it. And he said, no, Boaz, you be the one uh, to redeem. And so Boaz does that. So they, 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 they refer us to Leviticus and Deuteronomy, the right of redemption, and then the right uh, to raise up seed to a near relative uh, to preserve their lineage in Israel. So understanding what happens there in some of those passages of Leviticus and Deuteronomy helps understand what uh, Ruth was doing when she enters Boaz's tent. And, um, you know, some people think that, well, Ruth really kind of threw herself at Boaz, uh, but that's not what was going on. She was really just playing out the custom as well as living out what the law said should happen. Because in order for the brother-in-law to go to the elders and say, no, I don't want to marry her, it means that there had to be a prior conversation between that brother-in-law and the widow. So uh, the only thing Ruth was doing uh, was basically going into Boaz and saying, um, are you going to fulfill this legal obligation that that is there as the near kinsman. And so ultimately, uh, Boaz does. And the story ends awesomely because uh, Ruth uh, is um, pregnant. She has a child and uh, the child um, is uh, Obed. Obed is then the father of Jesse. Jesse, of course, is the father of King David. So God uses Ruth's life and Naomi's life uh, in such a way that uh, it becomes the lineage leading to Yeshua, the Messiah. So tonight, I really think that uh, we, we should spend some time together uh, talking about kind of what it is that 
women can often experience in this life. I, I don't profess, of course, to, to have all those answers, which is why I'm hoping Holy Spirit just leads us tonight. But, but the story of Naomi and Ruth is pretty compelling to me, especially Naomi. Look how she started. She had a good life. She had a husband. She had two sons. Yes, they were, they were challenged with this famine, and then they left and went to Moab. Uh, then things just took a, a, a very, very bad turn. And so it made sense to me that she would say, don't call me Naomi, but call me Mara, because the Lord has dealt bitterly, bitterly with me. I, I have a bitter life. And I think that so many times our sisters in Christ, we realize um, men do face challenges, of course, but it seems like to me over and over again, women often have these struggles that are seemingly insurmountable odds that they're going to make it. And that's kind of what Naomi and Ruth, I think, kind of highlighted to me as I was just kind of gripped by this as I was preparing for tonight. Going from this one place to this circumstance and situation that all of a sudden has Naomi in this bitter place. No control over it. She obviously couldn't control that her husband died or that both of her sons died. No control over that. And then her life just takes that turn. And tonight, I just wanted to open up, if, if we can be um, transparent with each other to the extent that you're willing to share tonight, uh, and you don't have to, but um, if, if, you, if you're willing, um, I wanted to first ask if uh, there's anyone who's willing to share with, with our group tonight uh, a circumstance or a situation in your life that um, occurred that left you either being bitter or being tempted to be bitter. Uh, we can we can break the discussion uh, down into some, um, some 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 other directions depending on on how the discussion goes. But um, I just wondered if if there's anyone who has uh, something that they can share with our group a circumstance, a situation, something that happened in your life. It didn't have to be while you're a Christian. It could be before that, uh, or it could be during your walk with the Lord. Anything that has happened that uh, was difficult, that led you to this place where you could have been bitter, or maybe you even were bitter. Anyone want to share anything tonight? So my story is, um, when I was seven years old, I lost my dad. And after four years, I lost my mom. Being the second child, my older brother was kind of confused and got into like this shock that disturbed him. Up to, up to date, he's still in that same situation. Like he's not really balanced because of my dad's, um, because of the loss of our dad. And when we lost our parents, we went down, when, when I was living with my uncle, my uncle took us in. And he sold everything that my dad owned. Since we were little, so we had no control over it. 
he could not say anything. And there was no one that could fight him because he was the only boy in the family. So no one could talk, tell him anything. Even his older sisters, no one could talk to him. So he sold everything. And at that time, I really didn't understand much. So I had no control over it. So growing up, we stayed with him and lived with him for a couple of years. And we were maltreated. The days that I would even cook and they would lock the food in their room and not give us food. The days that I would clean and these kids and wife, they would trash the whole place and I could get beaten for all of that. As if I was the one doing it. So I grew up with this bitterness against him. Like there were times that I would stand and I'm smiling with him, but deep down in my heart, I just wanted to hurt him so bad. I wanted to hurt him so bad just to tell him how I feel. About, about what he did to us. Because it got to a point that my grandma had to take me out of his house and the same thing with my little sister and uh, our last bond, uh, my little brother, they had to take all of us out of, the, out of his house because my grandma could not stand it no more. And we went and lived with my auntie. That's, that's where I grew up and got married, made my husband got married. But growing up, I, like, I hated my uncle. I won't lie to you. I hated my uncle. To the extent that each time I see I saw him, I just wanted to hurt him. Like right up to date, the times that I still try to fight that feeling, whenever he does anything that concerns my dad, I just want to hurt him. I just want to do something that will hurt him, not only him, but right down to his, his children. I just want to hurt him so bad. But my husband being supportive and always reminding me, he'll always use this <laughs> use scriptures to back everything he's saying. Sometimes I just feel like, uh-uh, I don't even want to hear about the scriptures. I don't want to hear anything about the Bible. Stop talking about the Bible right now. Like, that's not what I want to hear. But it's the truth, though. So he keeps assuring me and telling me that whatever thing he took from us, God has given us double. He has multiplied it. Because where I am today, I'm able, we are able to take care of my little ones, take care of my auntie, take care of even him, him even my uncle. We can take, we take care of him. So he tells me all the time not to fight him back. They're just early things and they'll pass away. But I try to like fight it back and say, oh no, it's my dad's memory. Oh, it's my dad this, it's my dad that, but he's gone. He doesn't remember any of those things. He's not there to see all those things, you know? So I've gotten to the point where I'm like, okay, I'm not gonna fight it no more. Whatever happens with the remaining things that um, are there, he can do what he wants to do with it. Even though we have a little one that, in Africa, we have this thing like when you lost your dad or your mom, you have a successor, somebody that succeeds, yeah, takes over their property or the things that they leave, um, yeah, they leave behind. So my little brother was supposed to take over the one piece of land that was left with the house, but he went and put it on, under his own name. He, my uncle, went and put it under his name instead of my little brother's name, you know, just because he wants to take everything. So, yeah, but... I'm in a place where I'm at peace, knowing that no matter what, we can still be a house of my father, just to build his memory back. You know, so yeah, that's my experience. So, so how how when when you were, this happened when you were very young. Yes. Right? So, how how did you manage those emotions? And thank you for being honest about how you uh, really feel and 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 what you were experiencing in terms of your emotions, how, how did you navigate that? So, but you said that you, you're blessed now because your, your husband is um, a person of faith and, and helps um, feed you the scripture. 
um, uh, which is really a beautiful thing. Uh, but before before that, before that outlet or that way of of learning how to deal with it, how how did you deal with those emotions? What, what did you do? I just didn't want to see him. Whenever I was around my mom or my auntie or my uh, my cousins, all those other people, I just didn't want to see him because whenever I saw him, like he brought back that memory of the things that he did to us. Each time, each time his name came up, I had like this strong heartbeat of mm. someone that wanted to hurt me so bad. Because it got to the point that I was sick at one point and I went to my auntie's place to take medication because they knew I was sick in the house and nobody was taking care of me. So I called my auntie and she told me to go to his to, to go to her house and collect medications. I went there, took the medication because I did not eat. So I fainted on her porch and I slept there until evening, like it was late in the evening around 7 p.m. that one of our neighbors came and saw me there and woke me up. I was like, are you okay? And I said, yeah. And he told me, oh, my uncle is walking around looking for me. He's going to kill me if he sees me. So mm. I went to the house. It's a watch that I had on my wrist that saved my life that day because he took this piece of wood and wanted to hit me so bad with it. And I blocked it with my watch and it broke the watch. That was something that helped. So whenever I heard about his name, like each time I, I heard his name, I just had this rage. Like I just wanted to eat him raw or say something to hurt him. That's how I felt. But you, 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 you were able to, um, to, to not carry out um, what you <laughs> of those most... things. Yes, yeah. never. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and so you, you're, you're saying you've, you found strength now, uh, in, in scripture and um, being able to share that uh, with your husband to, to kind of help you still navigate it because um, I would, I would assume that those emotions that you feel towards your uncle um are are, are you completely rid of rid of that uh, no what? not really yeah. i'm still fighting them to be honest i'm still fighting it i'm still fighting it because even right up to now whenever i just hear that he's doing something in the family that hurts somebody i just want to take up take it upon myself like to do something back to him and not because I'm fighting because of the, what he's doing to that other person, but because of what he did to us, that's the reason why I want to fight back. So I'm not even fighting because of the other person that he's hurting, but because of me. So mm. whenever I, I, I hear, yeah, yeah, whenever I hear that, oh, he's doing this, he's doing that, like I just wake up and I want to act, react to what it. But my husband comes me down and be like, okay, no, you don't, you don't react like this, you don't do things like this as a Christian. This, as a Christian, this is what we do. This is how we go about certain right. things. Like, yeah. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, you know, I, 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 I we're, we're going to pray in a little bit um, of, about that situation, uh, but I, I want to give some other people an opportunity to share anything that they want to share. Uh, just open your heart. And um, I, I know that as we share these stories and uh, we consider it that, uh, you know, your, your story and testimony really could encourage someone uh, else. You don't know what everything uh, what, what someone else has really gone through, or it might even be where they are uh, now. So uh, thank you for sharing that. Anyone else want to uh, want to share tonight? Thank you. I wasn't going to share, but um, what she just said, and when, I, I just want to say something about that, because when you just asked her, was she healed from it? Or what, did she still feel the same way? And I felt in my spirit so strong that she does still feel the same way. 
And um, yeah, she wasn't healed from it. I was saying it as she was saying it. And I'm like, so I do thank God for her testimony because it led, led me to a place right now to where I want to share my testimony. Um, as a young girl, I felt like I was the black sheep, what they would call the black sheep of the family. And so I felt like I always got the worst end of the stick of um, my mom, five children. And even growing up, I still sometimes feel that, um, feel that way. Okay, so a few, a few things that happened in my life was, you know, um, when I had my daughter or whatever, it was certain times that my mom would do things for my baby sister that she just would not do for me, whether it was babysitting, whether it was, you know, whatever the case was, oh, you got this, you're, you're, you're strong, you can handle this and you can do this. And that really broke me. That really made me feel bitter toward my own family. Like, because I always felt like the outcast, like why nobody want to help? Why nobody choose to step in? Um, you know, when I'm dealing with what I'm dealing with or whatever the case is. And, and it, it was seen, it wasn't just seen through me. It was seen through other family members like, well, yeah, you're the, you're the black sheep. But the thing that I came to realize in all of that was that I wasn't the black sheep. I was blessed. I know today that I am the one who carries the mantle. I am the one who, um, who um, God uses um, and God used all of us. Don't get me wrong, but I am like the, I, I want to say, honestly speaking, I, I know that I am like the Joseph of the family. And so a lot of things that we face in life is not um, that we're just facing it. It's because God is going to use us in such a mighty way that those things, if we don't go through those things and don't grow through those things, we will stay stagnant and we will not be able to be used to the full a measure of how God wants to use us. And I just really came to this understanding in my life that, you know what? It wasn't that um, they were treating me like that. It was that I had to be treated like that because I had to grow from those places. That was the only way I would be able to be where I am today. And pastor, you already know, six, six months worth of death, back to back that I've been through, um, and it almost made me bitter going through that because I almost started to go back to that little girl and feel like, dang, why nobody's here for me? Why is nobody? I feel, I feel, uh, lonely. I feel, you know, I almost went back there and I spoke to you about it and, and, and God reminded me just now that it's not that no one is there for me. A lot of times it's people don't know how to be there for you because you have been so strong um, throughout or they have seen you as so strong throughout everything that you've dealt with that they don't know how now to step in and comfort or step in and show compassion or show what they need to show for you uh, because I haven't, because of everything I've been through as a child, I had a wall built up and I had shut down to where I wasn't going to allow nobody else to come in and hurt me like that again. So even in my hurt moments, people didn't know how to come in. If that makes sense to y'all, I hope it do. I hope that helps someone. Yeah, it make it makes sense. And you know, you you have you've touched on, you know, 
probably the most sensitive of relationships, right? I mean, you're, you're talking about um, childhood things that uh, pertain to your mother, right? That, that mother-daughter relationship and uh, the, the things that uh, have happened, that happened, I should say, uh, that, that left you in a, in a place where uh, b- bitterness would certainly be, be right there at the doorstep. Uh, no question about it. And, you know, to, to, to hear what you're saying, though, Shante, you've, you've, um, you've been on a journey, you, you've been through, through processes uh, that have given you a, a much probably richer and wiser perspective on, on all of those things. Um, and at the same time, I think, uh, like our sister who was just talking a little bit ago, you know, <laughs> it, it's still got to be hard at times, right? Because like you said, some in, in this most recent season where you've suffered so much loss, uh, then, then some of those unresolved emotions and feelings from something that's not even related to the loss you just uh, experienced, um, the, the, the old feelings uh, come to the surface again. Uh, right. And so, um, you know, I, 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 I appreciate you saying that. And, um, you know, you both, and I see Deb, your hands up, we'll get to you just in a second. Um, I think what you both already shared is something similar to what Naomi was saying. When Naomi said, no, 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 don't call me Naomi, call me Mara. There is something beautiful about Naomi's honesty, about where she was and how she felt. You know, that we, we don't have to always act as if, well, we really do think that um, God is working all these things for our good. There are times we don't feel that way. There are times we honestly do not feel that way. Uh, and so I, I appreciate both of you so far sharing that aspect of it, because I really think that's what Naomi was doing when she said, call me Mara, uh, because God has dealt bitterly with me. I, my, my life is bitter. My life is bitter. Uh, and so I, I also, maybe Job will disagree with me one day if we get to sit down and talk about it. Um, but I don't think that God really minds hearing us talk to him in that way, not in a disrespectful way, but, but just that raw emotion of how you really feel about something uh, and to the extent that you perceive his hand in it or his hand not in it. Um, I think that God still wants to call us to that place of intimacy where we realize it's okay to, to cast every single care we have on him, even if it also makes us at times question um, who we think he is. It doesn't, it doesn't change who he is, but, but we, we definitely in our minds question who he is at times when we go through these challenges. Uh, but I, I just think there's something beautiful in your, in, in both of your transparency and honesty and, and sharing what those emotions are, the relationship that's involved. Uh, and I, I think that's very similar to what Naomi was doing when she was saying to people, no, 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 I'm, I'm bitter. I'm bitter. I get it. Thanks, Shante. Deb, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I agree with what you said about just bearing your soul to the Lord. It makes me just think about David and everything that he shared with the Lord. But my, uh, what is, I'm sort of across if you take some of the things that Hortensia said and Shante uh, mix them all together, and that's sort of where I was going. Um, uh, my um, 
So I, had, I was just put it, trying to really make it into a nutshell. Um, um, I was an, um, was an only daughter of a mom and had three brothers. And um, we had kind of a rough going at it growing up and that sort of thing. But uh, then I became a believer in my 30s, um, a Jewish believer. And um, then my mom got to see what the Lord did in my life. And at, at uh, the after over 20 plus years of of uh, praying was blessed to be able to lead her to the Lord. And so at age 78, she became a Jewish believer. And so the last four years of her life were just a magnificent uh, healing and reparation of all the years up until that time of our relationship. And so we became not only mother and daughter, but sisters. And so it was a huge testimony to our family. And we, and we, you know, we witnessed to the best we could to the rest of our family. But uh, so she had a house, at, she lived in Florida and uh, we're all over the United States, but I have, my, my older brother was living like three miles from them and he ended up pretty much being there, their beck and call when my parents got older. And so when my mom uh, passed and went to be with the Lord, when we went to read the, the her will, she had said she wanted her house to be open. That was just the gathering place. That's where everybody went to her house. Uh, she wanted that house to be open and uh, she wanted to give the house to my brother she said but she wanted him to either sell his house or fix it up and sell it and then move into her house or uh sell it that 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 was kind of what the will said but anyway the the, the hurt was when we went down there uh to um try and help with things uh, after 30 days my brother moved into the house and changed the locks on the door and we had we were there, and I remember we were at a grocery store, and and uh, he was going to go one place, and I was going to go the other. And I said, "Okay, I'll meet you back at the house." This was, you know, thirty days after my mom passed, and so I went to the house. I got there before he was there, and I went and put the lock, the key in the lock, and it didn't turn. It was locked. I was locked out. And so, when he showed up a little while later, I said, "My key does not work." He said, "Yeah, I changed the locks," and ultimately, we were never allowed to go back into the house again with my with my brother and so there was just tremendous angst and he ended up uh interpreting the will basically just took everything that was in the house and so the rest of our family um so the the bottom line is that i'm the only believer left in this family of people and i had been a believer long enough that everybody knew that and so when they were trying to interact with my brother for the things that they were supposed to get in the will when they couldn't get anywhere they would end up calling me so I'm extremely bitter, <laughs> obviously, but I'm also a believer. And so there's just this um, constant lifting every single thing up to the Lord in order, what do I say? You know, I had a niece call me and she said, she's just had it. She's basically wanting to curse my brother. And she's saying, you know, I can't, deal with this. I'm done with him. I'm not I'm ever going to speak to him again. And I'm fixing to write him a letter. And she called me. Well, three days after that phone call, my brother died suddenly. And so she, and I, I tried to, you know, I, I think I said the right thing. I mean, I, I, I didn't, I didn't encourage her to write the letter. I called her just to, just to continue, you know, I, I didn't say pray about it because I knew she wasn't a prayer warrior, but I, I, I counseled her in a way not to not to do that, but to, you know, think about things in a long haul, and just take a breath. And anyway, for whatever it was worth, she didn't 
she didn't do that. And then she called me back and said, I, had I not talked to you, I probably would have made a really serious mistake. And now he's gone and I can't do anything about it. But um, in, in, the long, in the long haul, so that's this has been several years, but uh, there's still things that go on. There's, you know, that people, you know, want, wanted things from the house that didn't, weren't able to get. And so there's this walking, this balance of being a believer and then acting in a godly way and still dealing with this emotion, trying to turn it over and trying to turn it over and trying to donor for, for the healing. Um, and interestingly enough, um, I was visiting a friend in Florida and um, they ended up telling me that his widow, my, my sister-in-law sold my mother's house, which means then now everything is gone for good. We weren't advised of it. And um, so I, I kind of didn't believe it because I thought surely somebody would have said something, but I did investigation and I found out sure enough that the house had been sold and actually had been sold like two years before with all of the things in it, you know, that what would have been ours. So um, why am I hearing all this? Because the only, the only people that are left now, I just have one baby brother and um, he does not talk to my, my sister-in-law, my, you know, my sister-in-law, the widow. And I do. Um, and anyway, the Lord has healed, done a huge healing in that I've reached out to her. I, I, I know that she had access to everything and, and her son got married. My nephew got married. And so we all went down for the wedding and we, I rented a big house for everybody. And oh, some of the people left early. So I invited her to the house, my, my widowed sister-in-law and my brother just couldn't understand that. He, he's like, how can you, how can you do that? How can you have her in this house? And I said, and I, I mean, he knows exactly what I believe. And I said, well, this is the thing. If I, if I need forgiveness for anything, then I need to forgive. And he just said, I, I, I don't know how you can do this. So I'm, I'm still that the only believer in the house. And I still have to walk out that, that walk as a believer. What would Yeshua do? And so I've had to do that in several situations where my brother and my niece who just, you know, they would just assume spit on her then you know knowing that she had access to all those things she could have even after my brother passed tried to make something right so as those things go along you you feel like you're you're healed and you're doing okay and everything like that and why am I saying all this and this will be the last thing I'm sorry to take up so much time but I was cleaning out my phone and um trying to make room memory and sure enough I come upon a picture that I had discovered when, when I was checking to see if she had sold the house. And it was a picture of my mom's house with the for sale sign and all the sales information. And that's just been like maybe a week ago. And all of a sudden, all of those feelings from the moment I first investigated and saw that sure enough, she had sold that house and not told any of us, any of us meeting me and my brother, sort of just came flooding back for that momentary, like, are you kidding me? How, how does a person do that? And then just, I, I remember Hortensia saying that, what is it that's making me angry? You know, my parents don't care. They've been gone already now. You know, they don't, it's not about them. It's not about redeeming their memory. They're, they're not in those possessions, but it brings back the flood of, of going through that and feeling like you've been wronged. And I, even my rabbi had once asked, you know, are you, are you angry or caring ought for another? Because there was also something that happened with my brother or possession that he specific, he only wanted one thing. And that's what my mom wrote in the will. You never ask for anything. So if there's anything you want, I'm sure your brother and sister will give it to you. 
And so he said, there's only one thing I want. And my brother found it and he made a big deal about it. And I begged him to give it to my brother, the other brother. And he just, he wouldn't. And so I carried a lot of ought for that. And my, my rabbi had to kind of counsel me and saying, are you, are you angry for yourself or for your mom? Are you carrying ought for your brother? He's a grown up, you know, all those things, but you let it go and you let it go and you're walking along. And if it's not in your, in your frame of vision, it's you're, you're good. And then all of a sudden something comes and brings that memory back. And then you're like, wow, it's, it still lives inside of you. But as a believer and wanting to be a good witness, you have to walk a path that is going to be edifying to the Lord. So I think I've rambled. I don't know if I've made myself clear, but it, it's really relevant. As soon as Hortensia started talking about property and I said, oh my gosh, it's, you know, and then, and then of course, Ante's story as well. So yeah, that's what I wanted to share. You, you came flooding back. <laughs> you, you, you were not rambling. Tell you that you were not rambling. Um, Thank you for sharing that. Um, you, you have, I think, touched on, and if anyone else wants to share, just put your hand up. Um, but you, you've touched on, I think, exactly what the Lord wants to do tonight, uh, which is, I feel like the Lord just wanted to do some surgery on hearts tonight. Uh, and I, I didn't understand why, you know, I don't, I don't know all of you. I don't know your stories. Um, but I just perceive that these types of situations and circumstances uh, is um, not unique to one person in our group tonight. And I just felt led that Holy Spirit uh, wants to move on hearts tonight, that we would have an encounter with him uh, to bring us peace, uh, to, to help us move forward. You know, these are, these are real things that you feel, right? And real, real challenges to, to be a believer and to then, as they say, you know, put your money where your mouth is. It's like, well, what, what are you going to do? Are you, are you going to forgive? Um, you know, and then when you do, are you able then just to really move forward? Or is it going to continually be this thing that hits you in waves, uh, depending on the next situation that that arises. Um, but you also said something, Deb, that I thought was awesome, which is, you know, it's a constant crying out to the Lord to, to, to put things before him uh, to, to help you move forward. That's what he wants from us. He wants that relationship. He wants us to cry out. He wants us to call. He wants us to acknowledge when we're weak when, when we're, when we're um, maybe not operating uh, as, as, as holy uh, and as, as, quote, Christian as we should be, right? I mean, he sees all of those weaknesses. Uh, he, he sees our heart. Uh, and, and I really think that tonight, uh, as we pray, uh, he's, he's going to do progress in our lives uh, to, to touch hearts uh, and, to, and to help heal us. Uh, from from certain hurts that that we've experienced. Anyone else want to share? Thanks, Deb. Uh, Pastor, can I share? Please do. Okay, it's just that I I don't know where to get that hand, <laughs> so I'm not able. So um, I just wanted to share when um, I'm a missionary and um, 
and um, there was one incident when I was in Malaysia and uh, we had a big ministry, we, we were doing children ministry and um, we had a relative to uh, join us and we, we also planned house churches and all the stuff. And one day, uh, as, as time went by, I felt that um, this relative of mine was operating in a different kind of, uh, um, that time I felt a different kind of emotion. And, um, but I felt, okay, I should be just caring and loving and all this stuff. And, uh, but eventually um, there was a lot of bad seed sown and a lot of uh, spirit, uh, I mean, division among the, the, the house churches and all the stuff. And, um, and my, finally, my husband started traveling because he, uh, we felt that I should be at the base. But then I started having all kinds of uh, dreams and vision and, um, and even other kinds of visitation. And I felt that God, God was showing me something, but at that time I couldn't um, manage it, but I was only growing bitter, angry, and most of all, it was fear. And um, what happened was I decided to sort of follow my husband and um, and I told myself, uh, and actually I confronted this relative of mine and she, she sort of admitted, you know, because uh, so, and um, I felt that it was like, she had a lot of covetousness and a lot of uh, hurts and pain. But the thing was, we grew up together from young and all that. So, but I felt I should just leave because at that moment I felt, no, I'm not a fighter. And um, I just, and my fears and my hurts and pain was overwhelming. So I just left the country. And um, I was pondering when I was in Czech Republic for a few years and um, the Lord keeps giving me the scripture, Matthew 6 verse 14 and 15. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So, and and um, what caught my eyes was that verse 15. I said, it's not fair because I'm not the one who's in the wrong. Why should I forgive? Why should I you know, I felt so betrayed because this is, I, I looked up to her more than my family members. I was like, she was like someone really I could trust. I shared everything. And when I look back, God actually showed me um, incidents, how she betrayed me without me knowing. And, and at the end, I said, I lost everything, you know, the, and, um, and even I lost my children because seeds were sown and very subtle. And I felt so betrayed. I, and I said, it's not fair. But then the Lord, again, I kept pondering. And I'm, I'm just sharing one incident of my life. But how I came to know the Lord was a different incident. And this was the same scripture he kept giving me. So, so when I was pondering on it, and, and I realized that if I don't forgive, then I will not receive his forgiveness, especially this area. And I felt that I had this vision 
that God stretches his hands of grace to everyone. Grace is freely flowing, love lavishly flowing from him. But when I don't forgive, I had this like a vision of a wall between me and God. And the and the the eye-opening was that grace was also flowing to her. Because as far as she's concerned, the area of bitterness, there's no area of bitterness. So God was saying, you, I am losing the grace that God has ordained for me. And I, then I said, oh, I don't want to lose that grace, that abundant blessing that God has. And here I am like allowing the devil to steal, kill, destroy my happiness, my joy. While that person is carrying on, maybe it could be the joy of the world, but she seems happy. So I said, no, I don't want to. So I, I said, but Lord, are you saying that then I should buddy with her? Because there's no way her ways are so different from my way. I don't like to grab. I don't like to, you know, uh, uh, seduce people to get or, you know, because. And then the Lord said, uh, someone, he said, blessed is a man who sit not, sits not in the counsel of the ungodly. So, and I felt that for me, I'm not saying for everyone, for me, I felt God was saying, forgive her because you need that forgiveness from me. You need that grace flowing through. You need to move on in life. So, and, but you don't have to be buddies with her because she, her way of operating is not God's way. So I forgive her. And then amazingly, you know, God tests us. He asked me to come back to Malaysia. And that was the, I said, no, I'm not coming back. I'm not, I, I, I sort of like dust my feet. I dust, uh, I want to go my way. And I, I don't know, I want to start a new life in Czech Republic. And I was like, decided I will settle down. And, um, but God caused me to, I mean, I wouldn't say God caused, but like Jonah, I actually started falling sick, really falling sick. And, and I was so stubborn. I said, no, no, I forgive her. I forgive everyone there, but I'm not going back to that land. And I was so sick and medical in Czech Republic is so expensive. And, um, and at that time I wasn't really keen in going to a hospital. So I, I said, okay, I will go back to Malaysia just to check and come back. But amazingly, my passport actually expired more than, I mean, about to expire in 10 months time. But when I send it to the, um, to renew my visa, they should actually return it within two days. Oh no, two weeks, sorry, two weeks. But it took so long. They took so long and, um, and, and I was not getting any better. So I had no choice and, um, and, was, and I had to come back. But when I was coming back, that's when the day I was coming back and got the visa, uh, my passport, so I was able to return back and, and even my visa expired. So, and in the flight landing at Malaysia, 
I heard this voice. The Lord said, you're not going back. I, I was like, oh Lord, how can I face this very land that hurt me so much? And, and it, it was a struggle for the last few years. And recently, about somewhere end of last year, and somehow the Lord led me to the prayer altar. And, and as I like really cooked myself in the altar of prayer and just praying, 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 praying and re-establishing. Uh, but I knew that I had to face my giants. And God gave me this Psalm 84, which is actually one of my main uh, verses for my ministry. But at that time, I never looked at it but the psalm 84 verse 5 and 7 blessed are those whose strength is in you in whose heart are the highway to zion mm. as you go through the valley of baka yes. they make it a place of stream the early rain also covers it with pools and that struck me and i said i was kidding what is this valley of baka and, and I said, it's a value of weeping. I said, oh Lord, you mean to say it's it's part of life that we go through from one valley of Baka to valley of Baka. You know why I said that? Because when I was at the age of five, Psalm 23 was given to me and we had to memorize that. And the, the one that I caught hold of at the age of five was even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me, your rod and your staff will comfort me. And at that time I said it, but when I read this valley of Baka, I felt led to that 23 and I said, wow, when I said you are with me, is that me, sir, is a position that I am sure the Lord never left me nor forsaken me. That's what God said. I come to that surety. Man can betray me but the Lord hasn't. And, and, and then, and I say, and this only happens in the valley of Baka, mm. knowing who the Lord is. And then only, yes. it was like, and I said, okay, Lord, I'm ready to be in Malaysia. And so and then you, seven. you, you went, you went to Malaysia. Uh, and then, so when, when, when you went back, what did, what did God do? Okay, God actually told me to go and see her, see this lady, and um, and I talked to her, and uh, she was surprised because she knew. She said, "She said, I know you will you will be coming," and I actually didn't give her a thought. And she said, "So I knew that she was operating in a different," and uh, but I felt so happy because God gave me that strength. God gave me because he wanted to, 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 to sort of giving me this. And that's right here in verse seven, they go from strength to strength, each one appearing before God in Zion. It was more for me to, to discover that I don't hurt. I'm not angry, but that was the first and the last. The Lord said, don't see her anymore. And then eventually, um, she passed away um, about two years back. And um, he was, God wanted me to tell 
showed me that value of Baka hmm. was necessary. If not, I wouldn't have enjoyed. And I think that's when Naomi went through that. Yes. Like what you said. That um, that valley, it, it's something about, thank you so much for, for sharing that. Because, you know, there, there's something about being in that valley place where we get to know him in ways that we otherwise wouldn't. Uh, not not that the valley of Baca is pleasant. It's not. It's it's a valley of tears. It's a valley of weeping. Uh, but there there's something about being in that lonely place, in that in that difficult place where he meets us, and we realize that he really is our strength. Right. That that he's everything that we need. Um, you also touched on uh, scripture that that I really wanted to to raise uh, as our as our closing prayer point. Uh, there, there's really so much more I had uh, to talk about uh, this tonight, but I, I think the Lord is doing what he wanted to do. Um, but I, I wanted to go to where you referenced here in uh, Matthew chapter six, uh, verses 14 and 15. Uh, we're just going to read that again, uh, and then we're going to pray. Uh, I, I think that uh, tonight the, the Lord is allowing us to have some things come to the surface uh, of, of our hearts. And um, I think he wants to deal with, with that. I think he wants to deal with that tonight. Uh, so Matthew 6, 14 and 15, for if you forgive people their trespasses, their wrongdoing, your heavenly father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive, your father will not forgive you. I don't know how many believers really believe that. <laughs> um, but what a statement that Jesus is making there, really saying to us the importance of forgiveness. I think most of us would admit that we've made mistakes in our own lives. You know, we 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 don't we don't claim to be perfect. But even though that's the case, we really do have trouble forgiving people when they hurt us. I don't profess that I think it's easy to do that, uh, but this is what Jesus is requiring of us. He's requiring forgiveness and uh, that place in our heart where there's unforgiveness. Um, I think you can have some bitterness without necessarily unforgiveness. I mean, I, I think it, it might be a fine line, but, you know, we feel what we feel, right? That's part of our makeup. Our soul, right, is includes our emotions. So we feel what we feel, but Jesus is calling us to a place where we're not being soulish, but we're being spiritual, right? Where, where the spirit has to exceed uh, where, where the soul wants to keep you. Uh, and so tonight, uh, I just want to have us pray for a little bit. Uh, I'm going to pray first, and then Chantal, I'm going to ask you if you can pray uh, after I finish, and uh, just pray as the Lord leads you. Uh, but I, I want us just for a moment, uh, and thank you for everyone who has shared. Uh, if someone wanted to share but didn't get a chance to, uh, sorry about the the time there. But uh, I want us just in our just in our hearts, our own our own way to think of a person or 
many people or even a situation that, that has caused us bitterness, that has caused us pain, uh, where we can't definitively say, yes, I have forgiven. Yes, I've moved on. Yes, I've let that go. Let's just take a moment to, to ponder and think about that. Uh, and those things that Holy Spirit brings, we just want to bring to him uh, and have him minister to us and, and help us in this moment. So just, just take a moment and, and reflect and think, and then uh, I'm going to pray. And then uh, Chantel, if you can pray after that. But just to yourself, just, just think about those people or a person or a situation that has left you in that place of, of bitterness and pain and challenge. Lord, we thank you for your daughters who have shared their hearts tonight, who have shared their challenges and difficulties and situations and circumstances that like Naomi have been places of pain or places that have left them at times bitter, hurt, questioning themselves, questioning perhaps you But Lord, your word says that we are to cast all of our cares upon you because you care for us. And Lord, as we ponder and reflect on those things that have hurt us, the people that may have wronged us in some way, Lord, we now repent of unforgiveness in our hearts, unforgiveness in our minds. Lord, yes, we feel what we feel, but we ask that you would strengthen us and take us to a place where what you require of us helps us overcome the challenges of bitterness and anger and hurt, confusion. But Lord, as those things take hold in us, we get to that place of unforgiveness. So in our lives today, Lord, we repent of unforgiveness. Those people that person, that thing that happened or is even happening now, Lord, that requires us to forgive. Lord, we release it. We speak it. We speak it in Jesus' name that we forgive. So Chantel, before you pray, I just wanted to share with you, as I was praying, I was, Holy Spirit reminded me of something that had happened to me uh, when I was 
on a preaching mission in Uganda. I'm not sure if I've shared this before. If I have, I apologize for the redundancy, but it's relevant tonight. And uh, there was a, a man who came up in one of the prayer lines um, and he said, and he was very angry. And so he's speaking through a translator and he says that he wants me to pray that whatever this money or property was that someone stole for him, from him, that he would get it back. And as the translator told me what he was requesting I pray about, I heard the Lord say, and I repeated and said back to the man, I said, I'm not praying for you until you forgive him. I, I don't know why I said that, but my response was, I'm not praying for you until you forgive. And he, he was confused and he, he said, no, no, I'm saying someone stole from me and I want you to pray that I get my money back from the thief. And so I said to the translator, tell him I'm not praying for him until he says, I forgive the thief. And so he had this protrusion out of the left side of his chest. And I could sense that it was some kind of physical condition. But the Lord quickly revealed to me that the physical condition that he had, I don't know if it was a heart condition or whatever, but it was something on the left side, that it was directly related to his unforgiveness towards this person. So the translator says to him again, the man of God says he's not praying for you until you forgive the thief. And so in his frustration, he says, no, 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 he stole from me. And I said, I will pray for you if you say I forgive him three times. So in his language, he says, I forgive him, I forgive him, I forgive him. And the third time he fell down under the power of God. He laid out for probably 10 or 15 minutes. When he came to, and we lifted him back up, this protrusion that was a good two or three inches sticking out of it was completely gone. Everything was normal in here, and he had released this thing. So there are some conditions that we have physically that are the result of spiritual imperfection. I'm not saying that's the case with every illness we have, but there is a place that the enemy uses unforgiveness in a way to attack our bodies. And so that's why it's important um, that we speak with our mouths, we forgive. So I understand we're on mute and you can stay on mute, but if you can, if you wanna just speak a phrase, I forgive, and then put the name of the person in there, speak those words and let that declaration be a release for you that the Lord hears that it's a repentance for unforgiveness. And then 
will pray the Lord to refill you with something not bitter in that place or not angry or not as hurt. I'm not saying you'll never shed a tear again about it. I don't know that, but I do know that the Lord wants us to deal with that tonight. So if you can, if you just want to say, I forgive, and then you fill in the blank, and then Chantel, why don't you pray and close us out for tonight? Lord Jesus, this is something that you have worked on with me for the years. Um, since 2018, I've loved you since I was a little girl, but in 2018, um, everything happened all at once. And that is where I believe some bitterness had come in. And you showed me how to do the work. I listened to a Derek Prince teaching. And I believe that in that day that you delivered me from any seed of bitterness. But Lord Jesus, I always question myself and ex examine myself and say, have I do I have unforgiveness? Do I have unforgiveness? Do I have un please help me to see from your perspective? So I just want to be transparent and I want to say things um, out loud uh, just to make sure that, that I am healed and delivered. And so I'm just going to say some names from, from things that, that I think just to make sure, Lord Jesus. So, Lord Jesus, I come before you, and I believe your word that you say that if we don't forgive, that, that you won't forgive us. And there's nothing in me that can do this, but I forgive everyone who has ever hurt me, intentionally or unintentionally, Lord Jesus. I lay them at your feet. I forgive my mother. I forgive... Um, my father, I forgive my husband, I forgive the man that abused me, I forgive um, my friends that have left me or hurt me, I forgive anyone that has, I forgive my sisters in Christ that maybe have given a word at times that felt like I was being beat down. I forgive them, Lord Jesus. I ask that you bless them. And Lord Jesus, I pray for all of us on here. None of us want to veer from your narrow road. We don't want a seed of bitterness. We want to be healed, Father God. We need your help. I'm amazed by you that you told me everything that was going to be on this watch. Psalm 84. Naomi and Ruth, Lavender, all of these things you told me were going to be on this watch. And I didn't understand all these things that were coming in my head. So you brought me to this place for your purpose. And I just ask that you heal my sisters and brothers and deliver them once and for all in the name of Jesus. Deliver them once and for all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and fill us, fill us with more of your love and your mercy and your grace and your great mercy that we can extend mercy to others, Lord Jesus. It is only by you. 
So Lord Jesus, help us to take a couple of deep breaths. Lord Jesus, I thank you for renewing our minds. Even today, I cried out to you when I was going through those things and said, I'm so sorry for being grouchy. I'm so sorry for being grouchy. You are worthy to be praised. Please help me. I think I'm supposed to tell you how I really feel about this. And then you confirmed that with Pastor Bernie, that you love us and that you search our hearts. And sometimes you bring things up. So if we are going through those certain emotions, it's because you want to heal us and deliver us because you want nothing to hinder our relationship with you, nothing. And you don't want any foothold from the enemy on our lives. So I thank you, Father God, that you are such a good father. And I thank you for the blood of Yeshua. Thank you for washing us clean. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for delivering us once and for all for those things that maybe we have held on to for far too long. Help us, Lord Jesus, after tonight to continue to walk in your goodness and your light and to be able to show grace towards others as you have shown us and your great patience toward us. Help us to be like Corey Ten Boom, when someone killed them, when that Nazi was in front of her and killed her, believe her sister. And he said, I've found the Lord. And now I ask for your forgiveness. And Corey Ten Boom said, I can't forgive you, but Jesus can. And so I do forgive you. So I thank you, Lord Jesus, that it's through you that greater is you who is in us than he who is in this world. And I thank you, Jesus, that you have forgiven us as we have forgiven all of those who have hurt us intentionally or unintentionally. And I praise you, Father God. I thank you for my sisters in Christ. And I thank you for my brothers in Christ. And thank you that they can pray for us, help us to pray for one another. I thank you for what you've done what you've done in the past, what you are doing, and what you will do. And I ask all of these things in your merciful and mighty and precious name, Lord Jesus Christ, Yeshua. Amen. 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 Thank you, Chantel. Thank you, everyone, for, for tonight. And um, we pray that the Lord has uh, moved and uh, that you're experiencing his presence even now where you are. Uh, and we pray that even as you sleep, uh, that the Lord will bring release uh, and bring peace in those difficult areas. So um, hopefully this has been helpful. Um, I, I think the, the, the Lord has been pleased with what we've um, poured out to him tonight. Uh, and again, we leave everything in his hands. Hallelujah. So uh, be blessed. Thanks for being on with us tonight. And uh, God willing, we'll be back next week. I'm not sure who's up next week's, but next week, but we're looking forward uh, to whoever that is as God will. So be blessed. Have a great night tonight. Thanks for being with us. Bye.